You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hi, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us. A lot to talk about new Clinton emails showing more criminal activity by Hillary Clinton in terms of the mishandling of classified information, a big anti-corruption move by Trump in removing the security clearance of Obama gang CIA director John Brennan. And then, of course, we've got this ongoing battle in California over clean elections and election integrity. I'll give you an update on that. Uh, And then, as importantly, we have tweets from President Trump where he is following Judicial Watch's work. He even said he may intervene in one of our cases to get some documents out to Judicial Watch and the American people. So I'll tell you about those tweets as well. First up, though, is the big find this week from Judicial Watch's lawsuit to get access to Hillary Clinton's emails. We have many lawsuits that impact on her emails. And of course, it was Judicial Watch that uncovered the Clinton email scandal. So everything that happened because of the Clinton email scandal was as a result of Judicial Watch's actions uh, in terms of uncovering the Clinton email scandal, getting the Clinton emails out there, getting court discovery where Clinton officials had to come in and explain themselves or refuse to explain themselves, and then uncovering the details of the emails that show the mishandling classified information and infamously pay to play as well at the Clinton State Department where Clinton Foundation donors and other Clinton uh, money people were taken care of with favors at the State Department, some outrageous stuff. So Hillary Clinton, as you may recall, had 60-plus thousand emails on her system, her non-governmental system, where she was conducting all of her government business in absolute violation of the law, and she didn't want anyone to know about those, and Judicial Watch was the one that uncovered that, or was the group that uncovered that. And uh, so there were 30,000 emails the State Department had gotten from Hillary Clinton, and she said, well, I deleted the 33,000 other emails. Now, of course, I never believed that they were deleted, but nevertheless, there was an investigation as to what the FBI, uh, there was an investigation by the FBI. They didn't want to prosecute her, but at least they went through the motions of trying to find the emails that she says she deleted. So they were able to recover some of those emails and otherwise find them elsewhere. So the 33,000 emails she deleted were in part recovered thanks to pressure from Judicial Watch, and the only reason we're getting access to them now is due to a Judicial Watch lawsuit. And that lawsuit has resulted in the release of records and Clinton email records that she tried to delete or otherwise hide. And we've already shown previously that she had classified information among those records that she deleted. So not only was Hillary Clinton keeping classified information illegally on this system and sharing it and receiving it, but then she deleted those records uh, once it became clear uh, that the jig was up which would lead to more prosecutions and investigations that the Justice Department was being honestly and fairly run during the Obama administration or being run at all during this current administration by the current leadership, which is out to lunch completely on this Clinton email matter. So Judicial Watch keeps on doing the work. So you don't have the Justice Department isn't doing anything, Congress isn't doing anything, and it's Judicial Watch that's forcing the State Department to disclose these emails Uh, that they retrieved as a result of the FBI uh, doing this uh, search of the emails Clinton tried to delete. 
and we have uncovered five new classified emails in the latest batches of emails the State Department has produced to Judicial Watch. They include emails about, uh, let's see what they include emails about. June 7th, 2011, Hillary Clinton received classified information from former British Prime Minister Tony Blair, which Blair also forwarded to Jake Sullivan, another top Clinton State Department official. So in terms of Clinton getting away with classified mishandling crimes, she's not the only one. Other top officials in the State Department uh, should have been criminally investigated as well when prosecuted. Uh, the, Blair, the email is about Blair's Middle East negotiations with Israel, the Palestinians, and the French. Sensitive stuff, classified, on Hillary's server. June 26, 2010, Clinton's Deputy Chief of Staff, Jake Sullivan again, sent classified information via his unsecure BlackBerry to Yuma Abedin's State Department's email account that he earlier sent to Clinton and Abedin's non-ClintonEmail.com account. So he was sending classified information all over the place, contrary to the regulations and to law. And those, again, those emails were about uh, UK negotiations on the situation in Northern Ireland. Uh, there's emails including a memo from Sidney Blumenthal. Now, Sidney Blumenthal was a close friend of Hillary Clinton. Uh, Sidney worked for her in the state, in the Clinton White House, and um, he, he's just a terrible political operative. The, he was so distasteful a political operative that even the Obama White House didn't want him in the State Department. So he was frozen out of the State Department official, a business, uh, but so Hillary Clinton brought him uh, brought his advice in uh, secretly through her email system. So she was getting all these emails from Sidney Blumenthal about all sorts of sensitive matters. While he was working for the Clinton Foundation, so yes, the Clinton Foundation was providing advice through, through Sidney Blumenthal to Hillary Clinton on business matters of state. So think about that. And in this case, Blumenthal is sending classified confidential information, and by confidential, that's the level of classification, about uh, Kyrgyzstan, sensitive country, former Soviet bloc country. A June 26, 2010 email, again, Jake Sullivan, uh, contains a call sheet that Clinton received prior to placing a call on Northern Ireland political issues. Another 2009 uh, classified email on Northern Ireland. Uh, this isn't classified, but it's interesting. Soros and Hillary Clinton had lunch at the beginning of her term of office as Secretary of State. Lanny Davis, who's now, uh, he was an old Clinton hand. He was he was, his job was to uh, defend the Clintons as a White House lawyer on, on impeachment and from the scandal investigations about their shady foreign fundraising. Yes, shady foreign fundraising. They were getting money from China and all over the place uh, to win elections. Uh, so she, he sends, and Lanny is now the lawyer for Michael Cohen, President Trump's former lawyer. And he sends an email saying that, I swear you look younger and better every time I see you. Good night, dear Hillary Lanny. This guy is now representing the president's former lawyer. It's incredible. And uh, so these classified, again, classified emails that Judicial Watch has uncovered, that Justice Department refuses to act on this far, and that Congress is completely out to lunch on. 
And so this is the problem we have. Why hasn't the Justice Department taken any serious criminal investigative action against Hillary Clinton? We now know that the IG report has shown, uh, and certainly the other public information that's out there, has shown that Director Comey, then FBI Director, uh, Loretta Lynch, Peter Strzok, uh, they were all pro-Hillary. They all hated Trump. And they, we all know they rigged the Clinton email investigation to result in no prosecution. In fact, it wasn't even a serious investigation at all. And Comey and Lynch came up with this interpretation for mishandling classified information that had nothing to do with the law. So they defined the law as requiring uh, intent to mishandle classified information, when in fact it didn't require intent. Uh, but there was plenty of intent in terms of what Hillary Clinton did anyway. So, but why is this Justice Department not doing anything? We know the last investigation was corrupted. Why isn't the Sessions Justice Department prosecuting Hillary Clinton over her email crimes? Are they going to ratify? Are they going to say, do they believe that, uh, and are they ratifying Comey and Lynch's approach to handling classified information? Recall, some of the classified information on Hillary Clinton's email server, again, non-secure, was um, uh, was of the highest security level. uh, It was compartmentalized secure information. Top, Top secret. 22 instances of that. And now we have other information exposed by Louis Gohmert, the congressman from Texas, that the emails of Hillary Clinton were almost simultaneous, were simultaneously being sent to a foreign power other than Russia. She can bet foreign actors knew her system was compromised. And I don't think I've talked about this on the weekly update before, but I think it's worth talking about with you now. You know, Judicial Watch went to the FBI in 2016 with information that we uncovered that suggested the Russians had compromised her server. uh, We had hired someone to investigate whether the Clinton emails were on the dark web, basically a publicly available part of the internet that you normally don't access. Uh, And we found the following, the vendor found the following that we used. Uh, It was likely the, well, we kind of know Blumenthal's emails were hacked and indirectly Hillary's emails were hacked because Blumenthal was in regular communication, including with classified information with Blumenthal. And secondly, we found a document uh, that looked to be classified. It wasn't marked classified, but we're not, we don't, can't classify documents, but it looked pretty sensitive, that looked like it came from Clinton's server. And uh, it was partly in Russian. It had to do with terrorism. And the indications were, uh, therefore, that that document had been hacked from her server. Now, we went to the FBI. Our guy met with them for four hours. The meeting initially was set up through, guess who? Peter Strzok. Now, Strzok wasn't at the meeting, interestingly, even though he set up the meeting. He sent two of his underlings there. And they never did anything with that information. They never did anything with that information. We know it happened just a few weeks before 
James Comey's email press conference where he exonerated or said Hillary shouldn't be prosecuted. And given the volume of information we shared with the FBI, we knew there was no way they had fairly evaluated that before uh, Comey's press conference. So Judicial Watch had alerted the FBI to a potential breach of Hillary Clinton's servers by it looks like Russian interest in 2016. They never did anything with it. And uh, there's classified information on, their, on her system and it's being released to Judicial Watch. It wouldn't be uncovered but for our efforts here. And this Justice Department is a wall on it. And I think we need to ask General Sessions, Rod Rosenstein, I don't know if Sessions is recused from this or not. He said he was going to recuse himself or suggested he would during his confirmation hearings from the Clinton email matter. I hate to use that word, but it keeps on popping up. Matter. But uh, I don't know if he's recused or not. He might as well be recused. Nothing's happening. Look, if you were anyone else but Hillary Clinton, you would have been arrested if you had the type of classified information and the volume she had, despite the warnings that were given to her, on your system. In fact, there are many instances, and President Trump just pardoned someone who was convicted for doing less than what Hillary Clinton did. The fact that she hasn't been prosecuted, let alone arrested, is a miscarriage of justice thus far. This Justice Department needs to be held accountable. We can complain about the Obama Justice Department cover-up of Hillary Clinton's email crimes, but the question now is, why is there a Sessions Justice Department cover-up of Hillary Clinton's email crimes? Email crimes that we are providing evidence of virtually every month on top of what we already know. So that's the question I have. And there are more documents coming. This case isn't over. In fact, in October, Hillary Clinton has to go to court with Judicial Watch in a fight we have that's ongoing over whether she's going to answer some more questions under oath that she had refused to answer back in 2016. So in terms of potentially putting Hillary Clinton under oath, it's this private organization, Judicial Watch, that's doing that right now. Not Congress, not the Justice Department. In fact, the Justice Department's fighting us a bit on this case. Isn't that incredible? And no wonder, and this leads me to my next story, no wonder the president is following our work. I told you last week how we are suing for the email and text messages of Andrew McCabe, the disgrace number two FBI official. He was fired for misleading investigators about his involvement in leaks about the Clinton email matter. Or maybe it was Clinton Foundations, I don't know. One of the two. Anyway, he was fired for lying. Should have been fired for a lot of other reasons, but that, that's another story. So we are representing a former retired supervisory FBI agent, Jeffrey Danik, who's suing for the records of uh, Andrew McCabe. Specific, specific text messages and email messages that met, mentioned the Clintons, uh, his wife, who was running for office for a period of time. She received money from the Clinton gang, uh, Terry McCullough specifically, to run and her run for office, which raised issues about her, his conflicts of interest in handling not only a criminal investigation into McCullough, Virginia governor, 
who was under criminal investigation. I never know. I wonder what ever happened in that criminal investigation. But he was running the. He was involved in the Clinton email investigation as head of the Washington field office, and he was running it as number two at the FBI. Never accused himself until judicial. Well, actually, he did. He did it secretly a week before until a week before the election. And how do we know that? A judicial watch lawsuit that we uncovered the FOIA information for. So anyway, we want more information on what Andrew McCabe was up to. We suspect the text messages will be exciting and illustrative of what he was doing. That's why we asked. And the FBI came back to us and said, text messages aren't covered by FOIA. They don't even want to look at the text messages. So um, the funny thing is, I was on Sean Hannity's program last Friday, and I was talking about this. Judge Janine Pirro was the guest host. And we had been talking about other things. And she said, well, what else are you working on, Tom? And we had just gotten this document that day. as I, I guess I had talked to you about it last week as well. And I said, well, well, by the way, you know, we're still fighting for text messages that we can't get from the FBI and the corrupt Andrew McCabe. Well, the president responded the next day. He tweeted out, and I have a copy of the tweet here. Why isn't the FBI giving Andrew McCabe text messages to Judicial Watch or appropriate governmental authorities? FBI said they won't give up even one. I may have to get involved. Do not destroy, he writes in all caps. What are they hiding? And then he goes on to talk about McCabe's wife took big campaign dollars from Hillary people, as I described. So I don't know if the president, I'm glad, I mean, what, it's great the president's following our work. And I hope he does involve himself in this case. He's president of the United States. He should be telling the Justice Department and the FBI to be fully transparent with the American people and stop hiding evidence of criminal and corrupt activity and start following the FOIA law and be transparent. I mean, Congress isn't doing it. Congress isn't doing it. It's Judicial Watch that's doing it. The media, zero interest in holding Hillary Clinton accountable. And I'm thankful that we have a president of the United States who's taking a personal interest in corruption matters in his government. It's really never happened before in a direct way this way. And it really hasn't. Prior presidents, they pretend not to be involved in anything substantial related to corruption matters. Anytime corruption's mentioned, they're like, oh, you know, they don't, they don't comment. They defer to the agencies. They want to wait. They want, even if they're not responsible, they don't want to be anywhere near it. This president, he's taking it head on. Now, I'm sure he's being told by his lawyers, don't intervene, or he's been told by that, his lawyers in the past, don't intervene. But this is a bit, pretty basic issue where he should intervene, direct the Justice Department to follow the law, and stop pretending that text messages aren't covered by FOIA. Because if the position is the text messages aren't being covered by, aren't covered by FOIA, government officials will conduct government business on text messages, and you won't see what they're in, what they're, uh, what's in them. Now... The FBI is saying, as a legal matter, text messages aren't covered by FOIA. But legalities aren't the issue here, right? The issue here is corruption. Andrew McCabe 
and the leadership of the FBI corruptly rigged and ran the Clinton email investigation. We want text messages about that. That's why they don't want to give them to us. They're coming up with legal window dressing as to prevent that from happening, but that's just like it is, window dressing. The reason is they're covering up corruption within the FBI because they know, I'm sure, there are text messages like the text messages that the IG uncovered of Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. Where Peter Strzok was talking about having an insurance policy and wanting to stop Donald Trump. So that's, that's good news. The other good news is that Peter Strzok has been fired. Peter Strzok, the number two official in counterintelligence in the FBI, he ran the Clinton email investigation. He ran the Russia investigation targeting Trump. He liked Hillary Clinton. He hated President Trump. He sent text messages suggesting he was conducting criminal investigations targeting the president for political reasons. The IG report confirmed that. He testified, tried to talk around his uh, text messages. It was incomprehensible what he was saying. It was obviously, uh, you know, he wrote what he wrote. Supposedly Lisa Page, his, his girlfriend, they were both married, having an affair. Lisa Page has testified on the Hill, and her response was, the text messages say what they say. I mean, of course, they, they mean what they mean. So when Strzok wrote, we have to stop them, we're going to stop them, he wasn't talking about the American people in general. He was talking about we at the FBI. The insurance policy, I'm not sure what that means, but you can bet it meant the Russia investigation. The dossier, the DNC dossier. So Strzok was fired. It's about time. And this is, this is the corruption involved in the FBI. He almost wasn't fired because the initial analysis by the deep state bureaucrats resulted uh, the recommendation to the deputy director of the FBI, the new deputy director, Rodwich, I think his name is, was a demotion and a 60-day suspension. So he, according to the FBI bureaucrats, should have, been allowed, should have been allowed to continue to work. Well, thankfully, the deputy director said, no, he's fired. And if no one were watching, he'd still be there for sure. And it's only from pressure from Congress, from Judicial Watch, and you, the American people, that Strzok has been fired. There's been some measure of accountability. The other measure of accountability that's still needed, like with Hillary Clinton, is there needs to be a criminal investigation, a serious one, into the abuses that went on with Strzok, McCabe, Page, Comey, Lynch, etc. The spying the illicit targeting of Trump because they didn't like him as opposed to having a legitimate reason for doing it. That's got to be the follow-on. And uh, that led to uh, the president tweeting us again because I appeared on, I guess it was, yeah, it was Lou Dobbs earlier this week, and uh, the president tweeted, uh, tweeted out comments in three tweets. He basically quoted us. Tweet number one, Tom Fitton of Judicial Watch. The Strzok firing is, about, is as much about the Mueller operation as anything else. There would be no Mueller special counsel to investigate so-called collusion, 
but for the machinations of Strzok and his colleagues at the top levels of the FBI. We know this guy was corrupt and had anti-Trump animus. Strzok and others at the FBI should be criminally investigated for the way that he conducted this investigation. Instead, Mueller is pretending nothing went wrong. He used Strzok, he used the Clinton DNC dossier. The whole thing should be shut down. The Strzok firing shows the fundamental underpinnings of the investigation was corrupt. It should be shut down by the courts or by honest prosecutors. The president goes on to say, thank you, Judicial Watch. I couldn't have said it better myself. And as I read my comment, it's funny, I say, well, I think, I, hey, I agree with that guy. Don't you agree? The Strzok firing is about the, the Mueller investigation. This is, this is the game that's going on here in Washington. The Congress and the media, to the degree it even covers the corruption associated with the Russia targeting, uh, the, the Trump targeting under the, uh, by the Clinton gang and the Obama gang and the DOJ, FBI, CIA, NSA, Defense Department, State Department, you name it, of Trump. They want to talk about all that. But Mueller relies on all of that to continue his investigation. It's the genesis of his investigation. It created his investigation. No dossier, no Strzok, no Page, no Comey, no Mueller. The whole infrastructure, this whole superstructure of the Mueller investigation is corrupted. Now, right now, the Manafort jury is in uh, at least one of, there are two Manafort cases. The first one has been tried. And the jury is considering whether to convict Manafort. As of now, I don't think uh, the jury's come in. The jury hasn't come in, so they haven't decided yet. And there are indications that they may let him off. I don't know if they are going to let him off or not. But I don't care if Manafort is found guilty or not. It doesn't justify the abuses of Mueller's operation. And it certainly doesn't justify letting him continue. Mueller's operation should be shut down no matter how the Manafort case comes out. Because the Manafort trial demonstrated more abuses by the Mueller team. Remember the raid on Manafort's home with FBI agents' guns drawn so they could figure out how much his clothing cost? They were taking pictures of his suits in his closet. And his partner, Gates, engaged in the exact level of criminality, if not worse, than Manafort did. Gates admits to stealing from Manafort, being at least a co-partner in the alleged crimes. And Gates is going to let, be let off with virtually no jail time, if any at all. And Manafort could face basically the rest of his life in prison. all because Manafort was Trump's campaign manager. Let's be clear. The investigation and prosecution of Manafort would never have happened but for his being Trump's campaign manager. Does it mean Manafort did no thing wrong? I don't know. I don't trust the Mueller gang to figure out whether he did or not. I really don't. Because it's a political prosecution. And the decision to prosecute him was not based on the merits, in my view, but on whether that prosecution could be used to get Donald Trump. 
And if I were the president, I would pardon every American targeted by the Mueller team. I'd shut down the Mueller operation, and I'd demand the Justice Department criminally investigate what went on in terms of the spying. So I'm glad to see the president is doing things on his own. Today or this week, he announced that he was withdrawing or taking back or pulling the security clearance of John Brennan, the unhinged Trump-hating CIA director under Barack Obama. Now, John Brennan is part of the group that needs to be criminally investigated for abuses of office while at the CIA. Uh, And... um, because he was part of this crowd that was targeting Trump as well for illicit reasons. And since he's been out of office, since he left the CIA, he's been attacking Trump in weird, threatening tweets. And I, and I quoted a few. Um, I have them here. Hold on a second. Uh, and he, and I, someone was running, I think Hannity had the other night, some clips of him on MSNBC. It was even worse than I knew. Regularly calling the president a traitor and kind of crazy things like that. Uh, he referred to the president's term administration as a failing khakistocracy. Khakistocracy is essentially a regime headed by the worst of the worst. And this is the one tweet that I, I picked up on. When the full extent of your venality, moral turpitude, and political corruption becomes known, you will, be, you will take your rightful place as a disgraced demagogue in the dustbin of history. You may scapegoat Andrew Mc, Andy McCabe. He's defending the, the uh, alleged criminal Andy McCabe. But you will not destroy America. America will triumph over you. What, what is sort of... Why would a CIA director, even a retired one, write stuff like that? And that sort of animus shows you why it's easy to understand, or it, it shows you how it should tell it should tell you what was behind the spying on Trump. This sort of craziness. Now, not only and and some about what he's saying that shows that he doesn't deserve the public trust that comes with a security clearance but he's alleged to have spied on the Senate and lied about it while he was CIA director for Obama. And of course, Judicial Watch has sued the CIA repeatedly about some of Brennan's activities, uh, if not specifically, but what uh, the CIA was doing on his watch with respect to Spygate and other things. And uh, we just sued him earlier, I think we sued him in June, or the CIA in June, because it was uh, disclosed that he likely leaked the dossier, the infamous dossier created by Christopher Steele and company, Fusion GPS, who were all working for the Clinton campaign. Well, he used that campaign document, pretended to put the CIA stamp on it, and uh, briefed Harry Reid. And Harry Reid, according to a book, who is then the Democratic leader of the Senate, he's now out of the Senate, He uh, basically got the impression, the strong impression, that Brennan wanted that secret information because the dossier at the time was secret, at least the CIA version of it. Reid got the impression that uh, Brennan wanted it leaked. So what did Reid do? Being the dutiful partisan, 
he typed it up in a letter and sent it out, and it became public. So we're suing about his communications with Mr. I just dropped my paper here. So we're suing for his communications with Reed. We're suing for uh, basically collusion with the Democrats in the Senate to get after Trump through leaking this dossier. So I am so glad and proud that the president removed a Brennan security clearance. Now, the president also announced to the White House that he is considering removing the security clearance of Bruce Orr. I think he's the only one still working in the government. Uh, Sally Yates, Susan Rice, Peter Strzok. Yes, the fired Peter Strzok. Does he still have a security clearance? Looks like he might. Comey. People like that. Now let me tell you about the security, the security clearance scam. The deep staters are all aghast that the president removed Brennan's security clearance. Brennan doesn't deserve a security clearance. It's a privilege. It can be removed uh, as, uh, at any time. Anytime there's credible, derogatory information, you can have your security clearance removed. And why does he need it? If you're a government contractor that needs access to classified information, you should get a security clearance. If you work for the government, you should get a security clearance. But the idea that top-level government officials get to retain their security clearance as a courtesy is the definition of swamp corruption. To say the phrase courtesy security clearance is to refute it. It's inherently corrupt. I tell you, he should, as a matter of course, say, you know what, you leave government, we may need you to keep your security clearance if you're a high-level government official in case we need to touch base with you about something specific for a month or two, otherwise it ends. The only reason people like John Brennan, Brennan keep security clearances as courtesies, it's like a title. They get to use it to burnish their resumes and add value to their advice, meaning make money. You, the American people, don't benefit from it. And when Brennan has a security clearance and he's outside, out there calling the president the tra a traitor, it makes it look like he has classified information he's basing that on. That's why these folks are invited on TV, in part because of their connections, because of the idea they've got security clearances. Now, Michael Hayden, who's been very critical of President Trump, unfairly in my view, says, well, I don't, need, I don't get classified briefings. Then why does he have a security clearance? It's a risk to give people security clearances who don't use them or need them. It's a risk. It's a national security risk. And I tell you, the president's firing of Comey was a great anti-corruption move, and the president's decision to pull back the dishonest Brennan security clearance was a brilliant anti-corruption move as well, and he should be applauded for it. And I'm not blowing smoke in the president's ears. I don't, I don't agree with everything the president says or does. Who does? That's true for any president. 
But when a president, like uh, when any president takes anti-corruption moves, we're going to applaud them. And when they're not doing what they should do, we're going to say they should be doing more and they need to move faster. So he follows up with this by pushing for the release of records. That would be even better, which is what he should do, the president should do. But good, it's good for the country that Brennan no longer has a national security clearance. The fact that he did was a risk to national security. And the deep state's reaction to it shows you just how um, corrupt the deep state is. I think every, you had all these top uh, former top-level officials in the intelligence establishment right, sign a statement attacking Trump for taking away his security clearance. To me, that's further proof as to why it should have been done. The deep state got all together and complained that one of their own lost something they never had a right to to begin with. I mean, Judicial Watch knows the security clearance business. We've represented whistleblowers who have been punished as a result of blowing the whistle. And they, resume, they get their security clearances removed like at the drop of a hat. You have a, you have a former CIA director credibly accused of lying to Congress, the concerns about him is leaking information, and he's out there suggesting he's got dirt on the president, showing that he's a traitor and he colluded with the Russians when in fact he didn't. Security clearance should have been removed long ago. Remember Susan Rice? She has a security clearance. The Benghazi liar? Why does she have a security clearance? Thankfully, she's on the list that President Trump is considering removing the security clearances, uh, uh, the list of people that the president's considering removing the security clearance from. So um, getting back to uh, some of our other cases that aren't related to Russiagate, because there's a lot of important things going on that Judicial Watch is doing. We've got this massive lawsuit uh, and Judicial Watch is virtually the only game in town doing this work. It, against Los An- the lawsuit is against Los Angeles and California over their dirty election rolls. Now, Judicial Watch had been the only private entity, or at least in the beginning, the only private entity that had sued under federal law that requires states to take reasonable steps to clean up the election rolls. Meaning if you die or move away, every few years, the states are supposed to figure out a way to make sure that people who have died or moved away or are otherwise ineligible to vote aren't on their registration rolls, because dirty election rolls can mean dirty elections. Now, Judicial Watch has done a series of analyses. We filed lawsuits against Ohio and Indiana, where they had dirty election rolls. Those lawsuits resulted in both states taking steps to clean up the rolls. In fact, the settlement in the Ohio case was up before the Supreme Court because the left objected to the Ohio taking one minor step to clean up the rolls, and the Supreme Court validated it. And Judicial Watch has pursued these cases most recently in Kentucky, where we had a consent decree be issued by a federal court that uh, Kentucky agreed to take steps to clean up their election rolls. So we had a major victory in Kentucky there. But we have a major case that continues against Los Angeles and California. And, you know, how do you know if someone's dirty election rolls are dirty? Well, if they have more people on the rolls than are eligible to vote, it's a pretty good indication they're not taking reasonable steps to clean up their election rolls. And, uh, again, it's Judicial Watch that's doing the work. Thankfully, in Kentucky, the Justice Department came in and um, 
intervened. That was the first time, because the Obama administration, they were AWOL on that because the left, the professional left, likes the ability to be able to steal elections, and the Obama Justice Department was an arm of the professional left. In fact, the Justice Department still is an arm of the professional left, but for a few political appointees put in there by Trump, they try to guide it in different directions now and again, like in the Kentucky case. If left to their own devices, the bureaucrats in the Justice Department, the lawyers there, the career lawyers, would never enforce the rule of law on clean elections. So credit to Jeff Sessions and the Justice Department for stepping up here. Uh, but Judicial Watch is in a battle in Los Angeles and California because California has 50, 11 of 58 California counties have a registration rates exceeding 100% of the age eligible citizenry. Los Angeles County has more voter registrations on its voter rolls than it has citizens who are old enough to register. Specifically, they have 112% of its adult citizen population on its registration rolls. So what's going on in California is they never remove you from your rolls, the rolls. You can die, move away, you never vote, they don't even remove, they don't remove you. They just call you, uh, uh, they, they just call you, uh, I forget the phrase they use, inactive, excuse me. You would think I'd know that word easily. But they call you inactive voters. But being inactive keeps you on the registration rolls in the sense that you can show up and vote. You can imagine how that's a recipe for fraud because anyone who knows who, anyone who's inactive, they can vote in their name. That's the danger. Dirty voting rolls can mean dirty elections. So Judicial Watch is suing California and the state of law and the county of Los Angeles to take reasonable steps to clean up the rolls. We're being vociferously opposed, certainly by the state of California. We're battling Los Angeles still. And I, I wanted to bring you up to date on that because we have elections coming up. And everyone assumes that elections are free and fair here in the United States. No, not necessarily. California's election rolls are a mess. And Judicial Watch recognizes that election rolls are a mess in Republican-dominated states and in Democratic-dominated states, dominated states, and in the states in between. Uh, we, our lawyers, are going to be working hard over the next two weeks, so I ask that you send your prayers their way and support otherwise Judicial Watch's efforts here with your financial support, of course. We have five depositions next week in California, so we'll be deposing our lawyers. Our Judicial Watch attorneys will be deposing top state election officials of California next week. And then soon after that, we have another group of depositions of LA County officials. So 10 depositions are set over the next few weeks. So we're going to be doing a lot of work on your behalf to clean up election rolls in one of the most significant states in the country, California. So that was a, that was a big update, wasn't it? A lot to go over. Uh, but the corruption crisis is huge. It's not just here in Washington, it's in California, it's in places like Kentucky. We win. We're making incremental gains. The president is tweeting our work. Oh, and before I forget, he also tweeted about Brennan. 
Chris Farrell uh, talked about Brennan on Lou Dobbs last, just last night, and the president followed up with a tweet. Let me see if I have it here. An incredibly corrupted FBI and DOJ trying to steer the outcome of a presidential election. Brennan has gone off the deep end. He's disgraced and discredited himself. His conduct has been outrageous. Chris Farrell, Judicial Watch. And that's the president's tweet. So it's been busy. The president's paying attention to our work. I'm glad one politician in Washington is. Pretty important one. And more importantly, I know you're paying attention to our work. Did you know that Judicial Watch is one of the most widely supported public policy groups in the country? And all we do is fight for corruption, fight for, corru- anti, uh, fight for transparency, try to hold the government to account. And there's a lesson there, isn't there, for politicians of both political parties. Fighting corruption is something the American people want. Democrat, Republican, most liberals, most conservatives. Who is in favor of corruption? Few citizens are. Politicians are another matter. And Judicial Watch is front and center in doing the work for you. So thank you for your support, and uh, hopefully I'll see you next time here on Judicial Watch's weekly update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.